Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 3 of The Abel McLaughlins by Margaret Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. After more than three months spent in hospitals, Wally came home the next March honorably discharged from the army his father met him at the end of the railroad and before dawn they started westward over the all but impassable paths called roads rain began falling when the sun should have been shining hour after slow hour of the morning their horses strained and plunged and splashed through the deep black mud at every slough the men alighted to pull and tug at the sunken wagon and returned bemired to their wet blankets from noon till dusk they rode on pulling grain sacks helmet-wise down over their caps to protect the back of their necks from trickles of water rearranging their soaked garments hearing when their voices fell silent only the splashing of the horses feet down into the thawed mud and the sucking of the water around hoofs reluctantly lifted to take the next step darkness set in early but they made the ford while there was still a soggy twilight more soaked more dripping they went on peering into the wall of blackness which settled down in front of them they were hungry they were tired they were chilled to the bone wally's teeth chattered in spite of all he could do to prevent them and they were both immeasurably happy on they went caressing the fine joy in their hearts the father had his son home safe from battles the son each shivering step was nearing the queen of the afternoon light at half-past eight they drew near the welcoming lighted window towards which they had strained their eyes so eagerly if the boy had had a lesser mother if he had been well he would have gone on through the four miles of pouring darkness to kirsty but here was shelter and rest for his feebleness a fire food light a mother and the children caresses sprung from the warmest places in human hearts all things in short that a man needs except one it seemed that the very kitchen breathed in great deep sighs of thankfulness and content this great night of its life the night wally got home from the army 
the younger children sat watching him till they sank down from their chairs asleep for no one thought to send them away to bed he had so many things to tell them that he forgot how weary he was now that his danger was over he had no need of minimizing for his mother's sake the discomforts he had been suffering he said feelingly what he thought of a government that couldn't get letters from a soldier's home in iowa to a military hospital in new orleans he shouldn't have minded the fever so much if he could have heard from home and if he had been stronger he would likely have been more sensible about not getting letters it seemed to him he had been confined in a madhouse devised for his torture he would have preferred a battle months long to those endless helpless sick-minded days and now he never wanted to speak of that time or hear of it again as long as he lived young peter had torn his coat half off his back at play that day and it must be mended before school time next morning it was a piece of patching not long or difficult but his mother laid it down to look at her wally she laid it down and took it again a dozen times before it was done she couldn't deny her eyes the sight of his white thin beautiful face he ought to go to bed she could see that she urged him to again and again as they sat around the stove but he had always one more thing to tell as he started to go he had never written in full about getting back to his regiment after his last visit home had he well when he got back there was not an officer left whom he had known and the one to whom he had to tell his tale of escaping from his guard oh he was a new man most hated by the boys he had put wally and two others in prison in the loft of a barn on bread and water and every night the guard who knew them used to hand up on the end of bayonets all the food they could desire and the officer heard of it and was more angry he was a man who raged and he changed the guard and yet the men who hated his being there in place of the colonel they had liked wally's friends managed some way to feed the prisoners so that really in the loft they had nothing to do but to sleep well fed and rest and presently the new colonel waxed more raging and swearing and sent the three away to another place to be disciplined sent them guess where of all places to colonel ingersoll for punishment what not that infidel yes exactly and that was just how wally had felt about it the prisoners made wally their spokesman in the first hearing colonel ingersoll listened to them kindly till he had finished speaking he had a boil on the back of his neck and was not able to turn his head and he sat there just looking at wally a long time too long wally began to fear and then he said i wouldn't punish you if you were my man mclaughlin and i don't see why i should because you aren't and he called an orderly and told him to take the men to a mess ingersoll did that that infidel yes his mother was leaning forward peter's coat forgotten yon's a grand man she cried with conviction he's an infidel her husband reminded her 
he's a grand man for a that she asserted but he's an infidel he's a grand man i'm telling you for a that after that every time she sang the antichrist's praise to her neighbors she had the last word of characterization after all her family had not been covenanters presently she laid the coat down again the children were in bed now and wally too with only his father and mother beside him in the kitchen your father told you about jeanie's death wally his father had told him briefly about it on the way home he didn't say to his mother that the news had thrilled him with the certainty that now his plans could have no opposition since kirsty was left quite unprotected and must be needing him he was ashamed of the hope he had had from it when he saw his mother's face harden with grief and resentment as she went on to relate the details of her friend's death a death grim enough to be in keeping with jeanie's life for her part she hoped to live till alex mcnair got home till she could get one good chance to tell him what she thought of him oh it had been altogether a terrible winter almost as bad as that worst early one just one fierce driven blizzard after another jeanie had known in that darkening afternoon that it was no common illness coming over her kirsty terrified by her isolation had begged to be allowed at once to go for her aunt but even then so thick was the storm raging that from the window she could not see the barn and to venture out into the storm could mean only death as the night had hurled itself upon the poor little shelter almost hidden under drifts and the maniac wind unchecked by a tree unhindered by a considerable hill for a thousand miles tore on in its deadly course inside the cabin where the candle flickered gustily out jeanie had whispered to her children that she was dying one thing they must promise her so that she might die in peace they must not venture out for help even in the morning unless the storm was over she lay then moaning inarticulately which was frightful for the children but not so frightful as the silence that followed when they could in no way make her answer their cries of agony all that night kirsty sat watching beside her relighting the candle while the other children slept in the quieted morning she had helped her brother dig an entrance to the stable and together they had got the horse out she had wrapped him as securely as possible and sent him across the blinding snow to his uncle's john keith's and when aunt libby finally got there she found the baby playing on the floor the dinner cooking on the stove and kirsty on her mother's bed unconscious tears were running down isabel mclaughlin's face as she finished though she never doubted that god was infinitely kind she wondered at times why that something else called life or nature should be so cruel she wondered why it was that while with her all things prospered with the good genie nothing ever refrained from turning itself into tragedy and besides all that 
now that the spring seemed coming that stubborn girl kirsty refusing longer to stay with her aunt libby had suddenly taken her small brother and sister and gone back to her empty house and there she was living alone with no company but occasionally a neighboring girl or her distressed aunt libby wally's mother had gone to her and begged her to come and stay with her other faithful friends had invited her to their home but they had begged and pleaded in vain kirsty would listen to no one it was a most unfitting and dangerous thing a young girl like that alone there she kept saying her father would be home any day now but isabel mclaughlin would prophesy that he would not be back till he had a new wife to bring with him they would all see whether she was right about that or not wally the ardent jumped instantly to the hope that kirsty had known he was coming and had gone back to the cabin to be there alone to receive him that was the explanation of her stubbornness and indeed it was a brave thing for a girl to do for her lover alone there she would be this rainy night grieving for her mother and waiting for him of course she would marry him at once he would put in a crop there for her father tomorrow not later than the next day at most they would be married he slept but excitedly that night in the morning it was still raining breakfast and worship over he went to the barn where the men were setting about those rainy day tasks which all well-regulated farms have in waiting in the old thatched barn three sides of which were stacked slough grass his father was greasing the wagon's axles andy was repairing the rope ox harness peter and hughie were struggling to lift wee sarah into their playhouse cave in a haystack side of the barn and having at length all but upset the wagon on themselves propped up as it was by only three wheels they had to be shooed away to play on the cleaner floor of the new barn wally took up a hoe that needed sharpening for the weeding of the corn that was to be planted they talked of the new machine that was being made for the corn planting wally answered absent-mindedly that he had seen one in davenport once he spoke with one eye on the hoe and one on the heavens after an hour's waiting the sky still forbade a journey but his father presently looking up from his work saw him climbing on a horse wrapping himself in bedraggled blankets as best he might against the downpour he naturally asked in surprise wherever are you going wally wally replied just down the road fancy that now a mclaughlin answering his father in a tone that implied that what he asked was none of his business but it was wally who was answering just home after four years of absence his father was amused the thought came gradually into his slow mind that there would be a lassie in this a feverish man wasn't riding out through a rain like that one without some very good reason what lassie would it be he must ask his wife about it the path which wally took required caution but the cause demanded speed the ways seemed to have stretched out incredibly since he had last gone over it after riding a hundred miles or so he got to the little shanty of a barn 
on the mcnair place kirsty's twelve-year-old brother dodd was there and wally gave his horse to his care that horse had to be watched carefully wally vowed he had never seen such tricks as it had been doing on the way over dodd must not take his eyes from it wally hurried to the house the door of the house opened and oh damn and all other oaths scotch and army kirsty's aunt stood there in it libby keith she was wally's aunt too that sister of his father's who had married jeanie mcnair's brother john keith this was the first time that wally had wanted really to curse an aunt though he liked this one but dutifully she saw him and her voice fell in dismay lassy me she bewailed i thought it was my peter bad enough to be taken for her peter at any time and she had to stand there stupidly a moment to recover from the disappointment as it were and then looking straight at him it was like her to ask is it you wally as if she couldn't see that it was standing there filling the door hiding the room from him whatever is the matter where was the girl was his aunt a permanent blockade he came vigorously towards her hurrying her slow cordiality there she was there was kirsty she had seen him he went towards her and she shrank away from him not only had she not an impulse of welcome she shrank away from him she gave him her hand because she couldn't help herself kirsty he faltered are you back she asked she pulled her hand away in a panic it's a fine day he heard her murmur it was the bitterest day of his life he sat down weakly men stagger down helplessly that way when bullets go through them the damnable aunt began now welcoming him fondly he didn't know what he was answering her it couldn't be possible could it that kirsty didn't want to see him she had taken a seat just as far away from him as the room permitted she sat about her knitting industriously sometimes she raised her eyes to look into the fire but never once did she raise them to satisfy wally's hunger his eagerness her refusal became apparent at length to even the stupid aunt she understood that wally had got home only the night before and in the morning rain and all had ridden over to see the girl who didn't want to see him he really was looking very ill well well isabel mclaughlin would have been mightily set up by such a match if kirsty had not been peter's own cousin libby keith would have liked nothing better than the girl for her son she had fancied at times her son had thought of it too her sympathy was with the soldier she rose heavily after only a few minutes and said i doubt the setting hens have left the nests kirsty she put a shawl over her head and went to the door and closed it after her wally jumped to his feet and went to bend down over his sweetheart what's the matter kirsty what's the matter what have i done she shrank back into her chair you haven't forgotten you remember that afternoon 
I thought now that you are alone here, we needn't wait. Sit down in your chair, she commanded. Don't. He didn't. He couldn't. You're in my light. He drew back only a little way. I didn't say it all, but you know. Didn't you get my letters, either? She moved farther away from him. Now that I think of it, I guess I did. I got one or two. She looked as if she was trying to recall something trivial. He stood, absolutely dazed, looking at her hard face. Then she said, It's near dinner time. You'll be going back. I will not, he cried, outraged. I came for you, Kirsty. I thought we could be married right away. That's what I meant. You knew that. He bent over her again and she struggled away angrily. She went to the door and called, Auntie, while he's going, do you want to see him? Aunt Libby came heavily in. She urged him to stay for dinner. At least she would make him something hot. Why, he was all wet from the ride. Don't bother about me, he said angrily, hardly knowing his own voice. I just rode over to see a calf of Stevenson's. I'll be on my way out of the house he rushed leaving his aunt to meditate upon her theories turning back he saw through tears that the girl was looking after him he wouldn't ride towards the stevensons he would ride straight home and she would know why he had come he was chilling severely now from the shock of her denial from rage and humiliation and sorrow he hardly knew whether it was tears or rain in his face fool he kept saying to himself fool that he had been why had he ever taken so much for granted he had had only a little letter from her a shy letter but he had never doubted she wrote often to him letters which like his mother's had never reached him of course she had never really said that she would wait for him she had never promised but that was what that afternoon meant to him it must be that some other man had won her they must all be wanting her while he had been lying in that hospital living only on the dreams of their love-making some other man had taken his place against her face or could it be that the tragic death of her mother had made her cold it was no use trying to imagine that for what ordinary unkissed girl of the neighborhood would not have given him a decent welcome home a mere acquaintance would have been more glad to see him back than she had been glad she had not only not been glad she had shrunk away in fear and dread even disgust if it had been but mourning for her mother she would have come to him if he had been disconsolate he would have known where to go for comfort he had simply been a fool to suppose he had won her still there was that afternoon to justify his hope could it be possible that that had meant nothing to her could he believe that that had been to her an accustomed experience if only her face had blossomed just a little for him that was all he would have asked he could have waited respecting her bereavement but that shrinking away that fear what could he make of that and he had supposed fool that he was that she felt toward him somewhat 
as he had felt toward her she wanted nothing of him but his absence all the family would now hear of his visit from aunt libby not that he would mind that if only she had welcomed it the wound was sickening him his mother's curiosity about the lassie disappeared at the first glimpse she got of his face she put him to bed with hot drinks and heating stones with quilt after quilt wrapped about him but still he chilled and shivered he was so wretched that she had no heart to reprove him for that rash outing through the rain for a long time he remained fever-shaken and low-spirited the last one certainly she would venture to ask about a girl day after day he lay contrasting in his mind those two hours with kirsty contrasting his dreams with the reality while the rain continued to sweep across the prairies in gray and windy majesty one day andy returned dripping from the post office with the news of lee's surrender wally celebrated the event with an unusually hard chill the tidings of lincoln's death sickened him desperately he got to thinking he was never again to be a strong man and he could see no reason for wanting to be after a few weeks the rain ceased and the spring flooded her sunshine over the fields with high engendering ecstasy the mclaughlins man and boy from dawn to darkness went over their ground getting the prodigal soil into the best possible tilth scattering the chosen seed by hand even on the holy sabbath of the lord wally's father walked contentedly through his possessions dreaming of the coming harvest and of the eventual great harvest of a nation it was lambing time and calving time and time for little pigs and chickens the very cocks went about crowing out their conquering energy all over the yard till it seemed to wally sitting wearily on the doorstep that he was the only thing in the world sick and useless and alone may passed and june thoughtful men sighed when they spoke of the soldier and hated war the more five years ago he had gone away a strong high-spirited lad and now he dragged himself brokenly around the dooryard the wreck of a man his mother trying to tempt his appetite was at her wit's end she sometimes thought if he had been a younger boy she would have given him a thoroughly good spanking she didn't know what to make of him had he not always been the happiest most even-tempered of her flock had there not been times when he and alan had made bets about which one would begin chilling first when malaria like everything else had been a joke with them she had never seen a child as unhappy as irritable as her wally was now there was no way of pleasing him all he wanted was to be left alone to lie with his face in his arms on the bed scarcely speaking civilly when she tried to get him to eat something but whenever she said to herself that he ought to be spanked at once her heart reproved her how could she imagine all that he had been through all the strain of those years the poor laddie so wretched and his own mother having no patience with him 
in all these weeks wally had seen the girl only a few times and none of them an occasion much less painful than the first once he had been well enough to go to church he had waited till she came out of the door and then before them all he had gone over to the wagon where she was seating herself with her brother she had drawn away from him as if he had been a rattler he said to himself bitterly what did she suppose he had done anyway that she didn't even want to look in his direction he had gone again to her desperately one evening determined to find out what it all meant she had indeed been alone when he came within sight but seeing him she had called sharply to dodd to come and sit beside her as if she were afraid of him as if he would hurt her she was even more distant now than she had been when he was in new orleans when he could at least think of her with hope once he had driven over with his mother to see her had ridden along in forbidding silence wondering how much his mother knew of that first visit dreading lest she might mention kirsty's name significantly to him he had not condescended to go into the house that time but finding dodd's hoe he had weeded their little patch of corn weeded it fiercely and well to let her see how he would have worked for her if only she had been willing his mother had not said a word about the girl as they rode home together but she sighed deeply from time to time so that he guessed kirsty had not even been cordial to her he tried hard enough as he grew stronger to shake off his depression there were plenty of girls in the world whom he might marry weren't there the trouble was he hated other girls still he couldn't let merely one woman make him unhappy could he not much he used to be happy all the time before he got to thinking about her so much he would brace up he vowed and forget her but harvey stowe came home in july and came at once to see him a strong and hilarious harvey who wouldn't take any excuses wally must come over to his wedding wally would not likely he would go to another man's wedding he would have a fever that day if he hadn't had it for a week but he went the day after thinking of his friend's happiness as he walked through his father's wheat he sat down to rest in a patch which had shaded and stretched himself out in it there suddenly and poignantly for the first time in his life he envied alan and wanted to die he wanted to die with so keen a despair that never afterwards could he hear the cocksure rail against suicide he hated living vehemently and wanted to escape from it there was no use saying one girl couldn't make him unhappy he was meant for kirsty and without her life had no meaning some way it had just that combination of demure eyes and white arms to stimulate his desire till it was without mercy he could not go on without her he wished there had been a battle that day which he could have gone into he would have shot himself dead with his first bullet that was the climax of his despair though he was far from knowing it end of section three